Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. I'm Tim Blevins, lead pastor, and I'm honored you have come to join us. To experience our full service or for more information, check out the links in the description. I hope this message ministers to you and helps you find life in Jesus. Hey, hey, good morning, Life Church. How are you guys? Can everybody give me a good morning? Yes, happy Mother's Day to all of you beautiful ones. Um, just, we're just blessed that you would take the time to come and spend the day with us here at Life Church. I hope that your morning ends up being great and that you love it. Sorry, I'm having a, a technical difficulty. Um, I just want to you know, thank Tim for asking me to speak today. I, I, I don't know if you realize, you know, this, this up here is not a stage because stages are where you go to perform. And our worship team that was just up here, they come and they get on the platform every week. And the platform is something that we steward and we are accountable for. And so it is a, it is a high privilege to be asked to be on the platform. And whoever we are, we minister from the overflow of ourselves, whether it's the worship team, whether it's myself or Tim or Bailey, who was here last week for Bailey's message. I know, I know. I don't even understand that. I don't even know at 25 years old how you have that kind of message. It was amazing. Um, But I just want to tell y'all that it is a privilege and it's not something that I ever take lightly. And, um, you know, I really do go before the Lord and ask him, what is it that you want to say to your people. So before we get started today, I want to pray. And just, I know he's already here, but we're just going to make his presence just um, welcome here. So Father, I thank you so much for this time together gathered as your ecclesia, your church. And Lord, I thank you that your smile, the smile of heaven is on us when we come together. I ask, Lord, that as we open your word today, Lord, that you would be blessed, that you would bless the reading of your word, that we would be changed and we would become more like you. I ask, Lord, that anything that is born out of my flesh would fall away and become nothing, but whatever is born out of your spirit, God, I ask that it would come forth and that it would bear fruit and that it would be fruit that remains. And I thank you for it today, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. So I hope to build a little bit on the message that Bailey had last week, um, realizing that, and I say this a lot when I'm up here, that we are in a new era. The page of history, I think the last time I was here, I said it was about right here. It's about right here now. So we are getting ready to step into a new day and a new time in history. Who, who is seeing that before your eyes? Am I the only person? No, 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 raise y'all's hands. Y'all know, y'all got a TV, like you see what's actually happening, right? History is being made, and things are changing rapidly right now. The kids keep asking me, Mom, what is happening? And I keep saying to them, I don't know because I haven't been this way before. But you know who has been this way before? The Lord. The Lord has been. And I just want to read just this little passage to you today before I start. I'm not, this is not part of my message. This is just a you are here passage. Psalm 2 says, why are the nations in an uproar? And the peoples devising or conspiring a vain 
thing. The king of the earth, the kings of the earth, take their stand, and the rulers take counsel together. Can't you just see it? Against the Lord and against his anointed. Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords. He who sits in the heavens laughs. God is looking at the the things being conspired right now from heaven, and he who sits in heaven laughs, literally laughs. The Lord scoffs at them, and he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury. And if you drop down to verse 8, it says, Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as thine inheritance and the very ends of the earth as thy possession. You know, if we were going into a shopping mall or a big amusement park or something, you know how you always go find the map and it says you are here. That's what I'm doing today. Go to Psalm 1 and there should be, I mean Psalm 2 and there should be words over it. You are here. That's where we are. We are in a time in history where the nations of the world are gathered together against the Lord and his anointed and devising and conspiring a vain and evil thing. And he who sits in heaven laughs. He's on our side. He's on our side. So today's message is called emancipation. You can see it there. It's a big word. We're going to look at the story today of Gideon. And we're going to find ourselves in Gideon's story, right in the middle of it. Now, in October, when I spoke on courage, how many of you were here for that message? And we talked about JL, that she's one of my heroes. And she took that tent peg in Judges 4, and she drilled the enemy's temple with it. She nailed him to the ground. Do you remember that? I had a tent peg up here. I was walking around with, slinging that tent peg around. Okay, well, you go through Judges 4 and Judges 5, hearing about this, this victory of the Israelites, and it says that then Israel had peace for 40 years. Then we start Judges 6, and we see Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. I'm like, what is wrong with y'all people? Can you not, like, get it together? But it's just like us, the cycles of humanity. There's nothing new under the sun, Nothing new under the sun. You're going to see that today as we open this up. So if we continue on past Judges 4, Judges 5, we come to Judges 6, and that's where we find Gideon and his story. And it's pretty short. It's only three chapters long, so it's kind of easy to read. He is the most unlikely hero, but he is like every single believer in Jesus Christ. And you'll see yourself in this. I'm going to treat this today as if it's a book that has three chapters. The first chapter is the encounter. We see that we have an encounter. We're going to read that with Gideon. Then there is the obedience or the cutting or the cost. And then lastly, we see there's an assignment. Every believer I know, including myself, has some dysfunction. I mean you. And me, every every one of us have some dysfunction. That's just life here on the fallen earth. And if you think, oh, well, I don't, I have got all that sorted out. I'll pray for you, Harriet. Then you're just lying to yourself and you've been deceived. God in his kindness, little by little, layer after layer, begins to reveal dysfunction to us. 
Because if he showed it to us all in one fell swoop, we would not be able to stand up underneath that. So number one, chapter one, we have this encounter. We're going to go to the book of Judges, verse six, I'm sorry, chapter six, verse 11, and read just a few verses there. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was in Ophrah, not Oprah. This is not over in California, at her ranch. This is under the oak in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abyssalite. As his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press in order to save it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Then Gideon said to him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord, okay, we've just had a character change from the angel to the Lord. The Lord looked at him and said, Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of, of Midian. Have I not sent you? I don't know about you, but when I hear Gideon's words, that does not sound like a man of strength. But here's what God's saying to him. And he said to him, to, to the Lord, O Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's house. Surely, the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you will defeat Midian as one man. Now, Gideon is in his own type of delightfully defiant walk-down. That's what we see him doing. He's trying to get food out of a wine press. He is trying to thresh wheat in a wine press. That's kind of crazy. He's trying to feed his family. Can anybody say? That sounds familiar. Trying to feed his family. And we see in this place the angel of the Lord or the Lord himself, because it goes back and forth, attracted to him in this place. In this act of defiance, in this wine press, trying to get wheat. So we see this. He comes to him, and Gideon has these words: "If, if you are this, then why?" Right? And and where are all your signs and wonders? Where where is all the stuff that our fathers told us about? See, seven years underneath demonic tyranny and a regime, an evil regime had caused Gideon to forget who he was. And not only that, he forgot who God was. Does that sound familiar? That's what we do. That's what we do. He knew about God, but here in this place, he actually encounters God. See, God came and began in this passage I just read to you to wash away the labels that evil men had put on Gideon. And on the nation of Israel, actually. How many of you have ever heard of a book, a children's book, called You Are Special by Max Lucado? It's probably 30 years old, 25 to 30 years old. I had that book when my kids were little, and I used to read it to them, and I would cry most of my way through it. Um, but I was thinking about, when I was reading this passage, I was thinking about that book. In the book, you have this, this character, Eli, 
and he is the wood carver that works at the wood shop, and he helps Punchinello, who is a little Wemmick, he helps him kind of find out who he is, marks and all. So there are these Wemmicks, and every day the Wemmicks give each other either a gold star for their smarts, their uh, talent, their attractiveness, or they don't get a gold star, they get a gray dot. And that's just for being ordinary or even for the Wemmicks who tend to mess up. And Punchinello is covered in gray dots. He feels completely worthless. And then one day he goes to the wood shop and he visits Eli, the wood carver, the one who actually made him And he learns his true identity there. See, all believers in Christ Jesus, all of us, have an encounter like this. All of us. And the longer we walk with our creator, the more encounters we can have, right? The labels that are put on you and I, they must be washed off by the Lord or else we grow up into them. So the story of Gideon, what we see is this terrified, desperate, scared man who is hiding in a wine press threshing wheat. How many of you know he couldn't get much wheat out of a wine press and he can't get much wine, right, if he's loaded the wine press full of wheat to thresh about? Earlier in chapter 6, we see why he is in this predicament. So Judges 6, we go back to our passage Verse 3 says, For it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites would come up with the Amalekites and the sons of the east and go against them. So they would come against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel as well as no sheep, ox, or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents and they would come in like locusts. For number, both they and their camels were innumerable. Whew. And they came into the land to devastate it. So Israel was brought very low because of Midian, and the sons of Israel cried to the Lord. The word Midian means strife. How many of you have ever been brought very low because of strife? That's what was happening here. So Israel was brought very low because of Midian, and the sons of Israel cried to the Lord. See, when Israel would have a harvest, the Midianites would come and take it away. Here, we call that in the English language, robbery, thieving. That's what's actually happening in this situation. So we find our character, Gideon, in the wine press trying to get a harvest of wheat But his godly defiance in what he was doing to try to provide for his family actually gained the attention of the Lord himself. It's very powerful. And in verse 12, we just read a minute ago where God called him, oh, valiant warrior. You know, he was probably like, I'm I'm sorry. Like, is there somebody else in here with me? Like, do you see me hiding for my life just trying to get some food for my family? How many of you know? He probably didn't feel valiant. He probably didn't feel warlike. See, you aren't who you were yesterday. Every day you have an opportunity to level up. As Bailey said last week, to become your truest and highest self. Let the Lord come and wash the gray dot off of you. 
Let him come and remove those labels. And as you encounter the Lord, you literally step into your truest and highest self, who you were created to be. Refuse to wear those labels that the world puts on you. Um, I was thinking when, when I was writing this that the, the church, and I'm not necessarily talking about life church, just the church in general, we tend to gather around the wrong things, to be honest with you. We tend to gather around things like the Enneagram. We shouldn't do that. We shouldn't do that. Let me, let me tell you something. I am an Enneagram 8, and I'm going to tell you, most of the time we only use our Enneagram to be mean to people. It's a bullying thing. Now, it has some good things, but all of them have some good things, some bad things. We aren't called to be an Enneagram number because all of them have strengths and all of them have weaknesses, right? We're not called to gather around fashion styles, skinny jeans, whatever, whatever, you know, whatever that is. The latest book, I'm going to meddle a minute. We're not called to gather around conferences and movements. We're called to gather around God, his word, and the fruits of the spirit. Every movement you need every day of the week is in here. You don't need anybody to hype anything up. You don't need to roll around on the ground. This right here. All the movements you will ever need. Do this and encounter God. Let's encounter God and conform around the things that actually matter. Now notice, when Gideon is confronted, or I would say introduced, encountered, this angel, the Lord, he said God had forsaken him, abandoned him, and left us. That's what he said. And God could have been mad about that. But he wasn't because God is the kindest one that we know. You will never meet a, a human being kinder than God is, ever. He doesn't blame. He could, but he doesn't. He doesn't show, say, I'm getting ready to pour out some sulfur. Y'all know, I'm, sometimes I'm like, where's the sulfur? He doesn't do that. He's a fixer. He is the fixer. I don't know if you've watched a TV show that's told you somebody else is a fixer. God is the fixer. He actually is. He washes the wicked labels off that men and women put on us. Now, you don't have to get legalistic with it. But ask yourself, what do I need to let go of? What do I need to let God wash away? See, in this encounter, we see what the Bible tells us that yes, yes, all things are permissible, but all things are not beneficial. Here's, there's a huge difference between those things. What is permissible and what actually is going to be beneficial to our lives? I do not want you to hoot or holler. I do not want you to raise your hand. But I'm going to give you an example, the real housewives. Harriet cannot sit and be entertained by something that I'm called to lead women out of. That dysfunction and brokenness. Now, would God be mad at me? No. Permissible? Yes. Is it beneficial to my highest and truest self? Absolutely not. 
It's just not. Let the washing of the Lord carry you forward. In this encounter, the first chapter, we had this collision with his kindness. And it's beautiful. Next, we see the second chapter unfolds. This chapter is the obedience chapter or the cutting away or the cost. This is is an interesting one because here in this chapter, we see God is carrying a scalpel. He asks for our obedience. He doesn't force it. He allows us to make a choice with our obedience. Many people are so, like, so, y'all, so, so, so saved, but so dysfunctional. Ah, I mean, there are just sometimes I'm like, wow, is my face showing what I'm thinking? You know, I'm just like, whoa, how does somebody get so broken and so saved? They've had an encounter. They're saved. They know Jesus. So broken, so toxic. Why? Because they refuse to move from the encounter into the obedience, into the cutting away. They just have refused to do that. They never transition there. John 3.16 says, most of you know this by heart, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. See, salvation is all about believing, not behaving. But transformation is. If you want to be transformed into someone new, there'll be some different behaviors. There's a cutting away. There's an obedience and a cost. And many of us are unwilling to tear down or cut away what he asks us to. So we're going on further in our story, Judges 6. Going to read two more verses, 25 through 27. Now the same night it came about that the Lord said to him, take your father's bull and a second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal. Y'all, that would be like me saying, go get a, I don't even know what, I don't even have an example. I don't even know. I, I don't even know. Go burn the Hollywood sign down and set the, set the White House on fire while you're at it. <laughs> the altar of Baal, which belongs to your father. We read about his father, Joash. And cut down the Asherah. The Asherah poles beside the altar of Baal, that's where all the sexual, all the stuff, the orgies, all of that happened. And listen, right along beside that is where they worshipped the god Molech, which is where all the babies were brought and sacrificed at the altar of Baal. So cut down the Asherah and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this stronghold. Notice it's named a stronghold. In an orderly manner, God loves order. That's why we shouldn't be in the wine press trying to get wheat. Take the second bull and offer a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you cut it down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had spoken to him. God blessed that man. And it came about because he was too afraid, listen to this, of his father's household and the men of the city 
to do it by day, that he did it by night. Whew. Here we see God is revealing the source of the oppression right here. He's saying to Gideon, here is why your life is messed up and dysfunctional. Here's why it is like it is. It's like the Holy Spirit coming to us and showing us, here's where the robbery in your life is happening. Here's where it's happening. Pay attention and listen, Gideon did it. He was scared to death and did it under the dark of night. I'm sure he was trembling, but he did it. Are you willing to cut it down? For Gideon, all that bail stuff, that was all normal. We think if we were to see that, we would be like, oh, my eyes, my eyes. I mean, literally, that's what we think we would be like. Because it's so much demonic, Luciferian, uh, antichrist situation. Orgies and sexual perversion and the Asherah poles and, and Baal and Molech and the sacrifice of children, all the things. But like us, most of us have had decades now for the norm to be that if a parent wants to, they have the right to kill their own unborn children. It's normal, right? It's just normal. Child sacrifice, just in a different civilization and era. But I want to tell you something. There's a new era upon us. There's a new era. And things that were are not going to be anymore. Things are about to change so fast, our heads are going to swim. And we're going to watch the God of Gideon come and do something unprecedented in our lifetime. And I truly believe that. See, we have to look at the world through a different lens. We have to take our Bible and we have to say, women's health and choices are not about people having the ability legally to kill their own unborn children. What are we fighting for? What is happening? You talk about a stain on our country. 63 plus million babies. Imagine what they may have been. Imagine what they could have grown up to be. Imagine that. But we're in a new era. God had to reveal to Gideon the source of the dysfunction and the oppression. He said, it's right here. here here's where it is. It's an idol. Idol stands for it doesn't offer life. If you're upholding something and it doesn't offer life, you can just name it an idol. Just call it what it is. It's time to deal with the root of the oppression. Cut it away. It's time to allow the Lord access to parts of our hearts that he may never have been in before. Why? So that he can reveal, here is why you're depressed. Here's why you're miserable. Here's why you're anxious. Here's why a little pill is not going to help you. Because this has a root to it. And if you'll let me come cut it away, God says, I'll heal you. When babies are born, one of the first things they do, or they did, I know with my two kids, is they took them and washed them. They gave them a bath. And in some traditions, and some, I know the Jewish tradition, 
On the eighth day, there is the cutting of circumcision. There's a chapter one, an encounter, a washing. There's a chapter two, there's a cutting away. Will you stay with God in chapter two? Or will you just pick up your dress and run like crazy back to chapter one and say, I'm fine with just being saved? You get to make that choice. Your mama can't do it for you. Nobody can do it for you. Only you can make that choice. All of us have to deal with it. What idol, what are you hanging on to that doesn't offer life to you? For me, I will be honest with you and tell you it was rejection, fear, and failure. Those were the three things. It tied my whole family. It bound us, literally like it owned us. It was like a friend that we hung out with and took to the park and went to the playground and school and all the places. And I had to, at some point, I had to say, I I want something different than that. I see that, and it's familiar to me, but I want something different. So I had to face Rejection, fear, and failure. But you know what? God was with me. Every step of the way, God was with me. He didn't leave me there. He was with me. As I trusted, he cut it away. And I trusted some more, he cut it away. And I trusted some more, and he cut it away. And he will do the same for you. I'm nothing special. I was thinking about a story of fear that I had kind of forgotten about until this past weekend we were talking about it. Years ago, Tim and I were youth pastors, and we are from the mountains of North Carolina. I know this accent, that's shocking to you. But um, we used to go to the Nanahala Outdoor Center and go whitewater rafting. So we took this youth group and had them sign their waivers and forms and all the things, you know, went to um, down, down the Nanahala River where the Olympic team trains, class three and class four rapids. So, you know, it's no small thing. But I, I've never had kids, nothing. You know, we're, we're just leading, doing the best we can to serve our church. And I'm going to tell you, at the very end, this girl flips out of her tube. The tube flips over on top of her, and it pins her literally underneath it. And the water is just pouring. And I can see her face. And Tim and I, thank goodness we were both there, and somehow through sheer adrenaline, we got that raft off of her and got her, her name was Melody, I think, and got her stood back up on her feet, and she was alive. And going home that night, I remember thinking, we, like we almost lost a student. Like that girl, she doesn't even know how close to death she was. Because, you know, how many of you know a, a water rushing, that's a lot of pressure. I mean, it was way more. I was probably weighing 100 pounds soaking wet at that point in time. I mean, it was a lot. I was terrified. So a couple years ago, fast forward, we, our kids grew up. We took them there every year. So they have been on the river many, many times. So a couple years ago, we go back there. And we take Lachlan, Bailey's husband. And we take Amanda, Eli's wife. And how many of you know, if you have children that are married to people, those in-laws, those in-loves, you love them like you do your children. So I don't know what happened, but this fear, y'all, this fear came over me that I, and what happens to me when I get afraid is I get real bossy. It was so fun for all of them because I was like, let's get the raft, get it in, everybody get in, get in, you get there, you get there, you get there, paddle, paddle, paddle. 
down, right, right, left, left. I mean, I literally, it's like I could see myself from above thinking, what am I doing? But I could not stop it. Because let me tell you something. Usually, if you're a controlling person, you control out of fear over what you love. That's just real. And I thought, Lord, if, if Amanda and Lachlan hit their head and fall out, and I mean, I just, I was like, I literally later thought, what in the world is wrong with me? And God said, you never dealt with that fear from years ago. You never dealt with it. So guess what? I had to take it to the Lord. He revealed it. Here's where you've been robbed. I had to let him wash it off, right? I had to let him cut it away. And I had to say, okay, I got a new assignment now. That's what happened from that. It was just another part of my battle. Another layer, right? That's what happens. It comes in stages. I know it happens to you too. And when it happens, we can't run back to chapter one and go, just kidding. I'm not going to finish this book. We should not do that. Stay on the surgical table. Stay there. He only reveals it to heal it. He doesn't reveal it to hurt you. He reveals it to heal it. God or Gideon knew that Israel's freedom lie on the other side of this obedience of his. He knew it. So ask God, God reveal the source of my dysfunction. And you don't have to tell everybody. Just share it with the Holy Spirit because, listen, other people will see it. I can tell you Lachlan saw my dysfunction that day. Paddle, paddle, right, left. I mean, I don't even know what was happening. Like, I was like, what am I doing? And, and Tim and Baylor just laughing, and Eli and I were like, Whoa. I mean, it was just something. It was, a, it was every family personality in that raft. It was happening all at that one time. It was crazy. So let's go down into our story, Gideon 6. 28 through 32, and what you're going to see is not only did other people see, they told on Gideon. Tattletales. Big old tattletales. Okay, verse 28. When the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was torn down, and the Asherah, which was beside it, was cut down. I'm just going to tell y'all, that is just something right there. If you only knew how big that was in that culture. Whew, like breathtaking. And the second bull was offered on the altar which had been built. And they said to one another, who did this thing? There it is. And when they searched about and inquired, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, did this thing. They told on him. Then the men of the city said to Joash, bring out your son that he may die. For he has torn down the altar of Baal. And indeed, he has cut down the Asherah which was beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, Will you contend for Baal, or will you deliver him? Whoever will plead for him shall be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him contend for himself, because someone has torn down his altar. Therefore, on that day, he named him Gideon Jerubal. That is to say, let Baal contend against him, for he had torn down the altar. Here we see Joash, Gideon's father. He had been in the past pandering, even worshiping Baal, the Baal altar. And here I just read that passage to you. We see this father find his courage through his son's obedience. Not through his son's courage. Notice what I said. Through his son's obedience. 
Stop waiting for your parents to change. You become the cycle breaker that you wish you had had. You become the one that goes, no more. You become the person who does that. Stop being a victim and lean in to the cutting. We cannot obey and welcome the cutting of the Lord and claim to be a victim. We just cannot do both of those things at the same time. But God is with you, and he says, it is enough now. This is enough. And I want all of us to take a big, massive, giant step, Simon says, from being wildly dysfunctional to only mildly dysfunctional. Can we do that? Okay. Because we are called to emancipate. That's what we're called to. Remember that title I told you at the beginning? We're finally coming around to it. So emancipation, this is what it means. The act of liberating or freeing. Ooh, that is amazing. Remember those real housewives I was telling you about? Well, I can't be entertained by something that I'm trying to emancipate other people from. I just can't do both of those things. It just makes sense, doesn't it? Now, it can be something big or small for you. Who knows? doesn't really matter. Permissible? Yes. Beneficial? No. Not even a probably not. A no. Beneficial? No is the answer. I can't lead a company of women out of dysfunctional places into wholeness while entertaining that in my own life. I can't do it. I just can't. When God exposes it, and he will, let him cut it away. In this time, we just read that passage that Gideon's name even changed. His father renamed him Jerubal, and that name means Baal Slayer. That is like a marvel. That's like a superhero name. Hey, Baal Slayer, I, I would love for somebody to call me that. I would love to be that. Baal Slayer, that's what they called him. He was a cycle breaker in his family. And listen, I am looking right now at a room full of cycle breakers. Every last one of you can be a cycle breaker. Okay, last one, number three, third chapter, the assignment. So we've been washed, restored. We've had an encounter with the Lord, the obedience, the cutting away, and now we get to the assignment. Our assignment is not to be free. Our assignment is to get free and lead other people to freedom. That's the assignment. That's actually what the assignment is. I have found that people that get freedom and have no purpose, they just have no purpose. What happens is they become very self-indulgent. Self-care, self-talk, self-this, self-that. Everything is about themselves. Because they have gotten freedom but they have not gotten their, uh, their purpose yet. So it just puts them in this place of just self, self, self. Most American Christians, most of them have had an encounter. That's why they're Christians with Jesus Christ. Many of them, us, have even had times where we've obeyed the Lord. We've stepped into a place of obedience, even a cutting away of sorts. But many of us, most of us have yet to say, this is my assignment, I'm picking it up and I'm walking in it. So see, Paul told the church in Galatia, remember that, Galatians, the book of Galatians, he said, stop using your freedom to just serve yourself. That's not, that's not your truest high self. That's not a good look on you. Don't do that. Don't do that. Use it to serve one another. 
Now lay on the ground if you need to and waller around and cry for an encounter and do all that, but get up and go help somebody else. Go help somebody else. A couple years ago in sisterhood, I can't even remember the series. Somebody may can remember it. But I taught on my historical hero, Harriet Tubman. I know she has the coolest name in the entire world. There she is. She was this tiny little thing, inspired by the Holy Spirit. You know, many called her the Moses of her day, this tiny little thing. And she wasn't just a freed slave. She was a freed slave who went back and freed other slaves. That's what she did. See, there are lots of freed slaves. There were thousands of them. But how many went back and freed other people? Very, very few. She sits at the top of the list. And how many of you know she didn't just sit down and sing, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. She did not do that. She was like, I got something to do. I'm going to put my gun on. You know, she carried a gun with her. And I'm going to go wade through the swamps and the darkness and all the things. And I'm going to go get my people. And I'm going to tell them that they're free. It's a beautiful story. She went back with the keys and unlocked the cages for all of those still in bondage. Mm. It's awesome. God wants to make you and me an emancipator, a freedom fighter. We can't set other people free if we don't use our voice. You better be using your voice for what's good and what's evil. You can't be, but you can't, listen, you cannot be Switzerland. Everybody ended up hating them, right? You can't be that. You got to use your voice and go, here is what God's word says. And as long as I have breath, I'm going to point people to the truth and to freedom. This is your move. That's it. Be a healthy Christian. Be a healthy Christian. Stop running from conference to conference and movement to movement, just begging God to pour a little something out so you can have an encounter. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. Become what you yourself have needed. See, stop looking for your own encounter and start caring about other people having an encounter. So you have these three things, these three, three chapters, the encounter, the obedience. And I, and I will say to you, the obedience that God is a skilled, skilled son. He is not a butcher. Allow him to come in and cut away what needs, needs to go. And then there's assignment. I think it's interesting in Matthew 25. We're not going to go there, but we see the parable of the talents in that passage. And we see Jesus is telling this story about, you know, this master giving these talents we could call it money, but these talents to the servants. And um, what ends up happening has always kind of shocked me a little bit. You know, I've always been like, wow, that is, seems harsh. But he's like, did you hide it? Did you bury it? Then you are an evil, wicked servant. That is the word of Jesus. In my Bible, that's in red letter. <laughs> I mean, that is something. You know Why? Because we are meant to be multipliers. We're meant to carry what God has done in our lives and, and share it with everybody around us. So are you doing that? Or are you just saved, healed, and delivered for you, yourself, you're for, and no more? How are, how are you doing that? You can become an emancipator today. Today, we can do that. You can step into your mission 
Lock on to your assignment. The very thing you have been set free from is the very thing God will give you to unlock other people's chains. Because a lot of people say, I, I don't know what my assignment, my mission is. Well, where has God set you free? That's your mission. That's your assignment. That's it. So I'm going to read one verse in Judges 8, and here's the end of the story. Judges 8:28 says, So Midian was subdued before the sons of Israel, and they did not lift up their heads anymore. And the land was undisturbed for 40 years in the day of Gideon. There was peace for 40 years. How many of you would love to go, there is peace for 40 years? We got some wrongs that we got to right, but I believe we can still see that today in the earth. Peace in the land for 40 years. See, many of you think, my life just stinks. It just, it just stinks. Today, let God reveal to you, here is the source of your dysfunction. Here it is, right here. And then, will you be obedient to him? Will you actually say, Lord, go ahead and cut it away? Because the wounding of the Lord, the Bible says, is the wounding of a friend. See, he cuts us to heal us, not to hurt us. He's trying to heal us. How many of you know when cancer is cut away, it's painful? It hurts. There's some downtime, right? There's some healing that comes. But, but the Holy Spirit always comes and comforts us. And then when we get up off that surgical table, then it's not just we will be free. Then we can go and free other people. Amen? So some of you may be here today and you may say, I've never had an encounter with the Lord. I don't even know where to even start this journey. I have no idea why well, I got good news for you today. You and I, we have sinned. We fall, we get so separated from the Lord. Man has, has sinned. That's just, that's just the deal. That's fallen nature. I mean, Bailey talked about the garden last week. But God loves you so much, even in spite of our sin. That he sent Jesus to die for us, to wash away the gray dots, and to make us new. And when we accept what Jesus has done for us, we get that eternal life. We get to experience all the Lord has for us. So I want to pray for us today. I'm going to pray two prayers. I'm going to pray for those of you who may not have ever received the Lord as your Lord and Savior. And then I'm also going to pray for those of you who feel like you're in one of these stages. You maybe have had the encounter, but you're still in the obedience, cutting away, and the assignment part. So if you just bow your heads. Is there any here who has never asked the Lord to come into your life and be your Lord and Savior? If you just lift your hand up and then put it back down just so that I can see it. Because God wants to carry you to a new place today. Amen. Amen. I see those hands. Would everybody say with me, Dear Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for saving me. I repent of my sins. I receive your gift of eternal life. And I will live my life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. And then you may be here and you may be in the place of obedience 
or assignment, I want you to lift up your hands. Just lift it up and put it right back down. I can see. I'm looking around. Father God, I thank you for every brother and sister. You know the places, God. You know the callings. You know the assignment, the mission. You know, Lord, the calls to obedience. You know what you're asking for. You know, Lord, the places that will heal us and not hurt us. I ask God that you will come and that you will do a surgical work on all of us, that you'll carry us to our truest and highest selves so that we can love you, serve you, and honor you. And Lord, we do pray for the days that we are in. We plead the blood of Jesus over your church. We ask God that no weapon formed against her would prosper, but Lord, that we will continue to partner with you in building your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We bless you today, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. I appreciate y'all so much.